Thank you for joining us online um, for worship today. And before I begin, um, join me as we begin with prayer. Let's pray. Spirit of God, we thank you for your presence in this room. I pray that you will quiet our minds and our hearts to hear your word today. The words that I speak will be not of mine, but will come from the humility of my heart. And that we would hear the word that you are speaking to us. So speak to us today, Jesus. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So at Bethany, we have been journeying through the gospel of Mark and learning what it means to follow the way of Christ. To give you a little background of the book, the gospel of Mark was written during the time in Rome when many Christians were killed. And it was soon after two of the church's important figures, Peter, Jesus' disciple, and Apostle Paul had been executed, that this small book, Mark's Gospel, appeared among the Christians. The book began with, in the beginning of the good news. In this difficult time in history, the Christians in Rome needed to hear the good news. And it's observed that almost every sentence in Mark begins with and, and 41 times it begins with and immediately. This reflects Mark's urgency of proclaiming the good news. What is the good news? The good news is that Jesus is the Messiah. As Anna read for us, Jesus asked the disciples, Who do people say I am? The disciples reply, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. The crowds, the people that have been following Jesus, has not yet realized that Jesus is the anticipated Messiah. Then Jesus directs the question to the disciples, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Peter, who is probably speaking as a spokesperson for all the disciples, answers, You are the Messiah. And some translation says, You are the Christ. Christ comes from Greek word Christos, and Messiah is translated from Hebrew, the anointed one of God. But the Messiah Peter thought and imagined was much different than who Jesus the Messiah would be. Have you ever been in a time when you heard a lot about a person and wanted to meet this person? Um, but once you met this person, this person wasn't what you expected. That was me when I first met my husband, David. <laughs> David came as a college young adult pastor at a church that I grew up in. But I just left that church to be um, a pastor. It was my first ministry job that I took at another church. So we just missed each other. But I heard so much about David from my friends. They were like, he's American. Because I grew up in Canada, that's why. So they were like, he's American. He studies at the seminary. 
He's athletic. He's really nice. Oh, and he's single. So <laughs> my curiosity for this new pastor in town grew. I imagined like a Korean version of Brad Pitt, maybe. Or <laughs> he's old now, but like back in the days, he was not, right? <laughs> and someone that might look like a Korean celebrity. And I, I liked pretty looking boys. <laughs> like K-pop. Maybe. Okay, no, I'm not going to go there. Yes, I, that was like 21. Um, now I am a lot older, so please don't judge me by that. <laughs> and there was a church, um, in a church softball tournament, and that was happening. And it was, um, so he was, so I got to finally meet him. He was on the field, and my friends took me down to introduce me to this young pastor. And when I met David, my first impression was, yeah don't look anything like I had imagined. Well, it turns out that he was charming and, and you know, he, he grew on me a lot. <laughs> we fell in love and the rest is history. We've been married for almost 19 years now. And, and for Peter and the Jews, they heard so much about the Messiah. They've been waiting for the Messiah to come. Their ancestors have been waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for the Messiah who would do spectacular things. In Jewish history, Jews regarded the great days of the past as the days of David. And they dreamed of a day when there would arise another king from David's line who will rescue the Israelites, a king who would make Israel great again. But as time went on, the 10 tribes were carried off to Assyria and lost forever. The Babylonians conquered Jerusalem and carried the Jews away captive. Then came the Persians as their masters, then the Greeks, then the Romans. For centuries, the Jews never knew what it was to be completely free and independent. So the Jews imagined a Messiah who would be the most destructive conqueror in history, smashing the enemies into extinction. But the Messiah they had been anticipating was different from whom Jesus came to be. As Anna read again in verse 31 to 33, Jesus shares with the disciples that he will suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. I can only imagine Peter thinking, what? Jesus is going to suffer? And the king, the anointed one, who came to save the Jews, he's going to be rejected? Rejected by his own people? What is Jesus talking about? How is this possible? And then here's Jesus, plainly explains that he must be killed. And after three days, that he will rise again. Peter had enough. This can't be true. That's impossible. Jesus will be killed? So Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. I can imagine Peter, his emotions all welled up, not happy with what he has just heard. Peter loved Jesus. He loves Jesus. And I can see Peter saying something like this. Jesus, what are you saying? What do you mean that that you'll be killed? No, that's not going to happen. You came to conquer 
to set us free from the Roman Empire. You are the Messiah. Peter was refusing to accept what Jesus had said, a suffering Messiah. A suffering Messiah was unthinkable. In Jewish traditions, a Messiah was a symbol of strength, not weakness. But Jesus responds with a rebuke. He says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan! You do not have the mind, the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And the severity of the rebuke came from Jesus, recognizing in Peter's attempt to dissuade him from dying on the cross. Similar to the temptation Jesus had experienced in the wilderness. Peter was not able to see the full picture. In the few verses previous to our passage today, Mark uses an account of Jesus healing a blind man to symbolize the understanding of the disciples of the true nature of the Messiahship of Jesus. And the story goes like this. Some people brought the blind man to Jesus asking to heal him. So Jesus spits on the blind man's eye and puts his hand on him. And Jesus asks, do you see anything? The blind man looks up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. So Peter is like this blind man who has partial vision. Peter couldn't fully see or comprehend what Jesus the Messiah was going to do on earth. Peter had in mind a notion of a popular messiahship, the way the world thought. Sure enough, the Messiah was going to come and overthrow the Roman Empire. But Jesus, he's going to be killed? Even after Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, When Peter heard from women that the Jesus' tomb is empty, Peter got up and ran to the tomb, and when he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, Luke's gospel explains that Peter went away wondering, wondering to himself what had happened. Peter was wondering. Even though Jesus has specifically told him that he will be killed and that after three days that he will rise from the dead, Peter was wondering. Let us pause and think for a few minutes. Peter was waiting for a Messiah to come, to be their powerful king of Jews. Jesus came, a son of God, came as man, born of Virgin Mary. Fully human, he was born as a baby. And I'm sure he cried. Cried when he was hungry. Jesus had to learn how to walk, how to talk. And he grew up to be a man. And as a human, he was even tempted by Satan. Jesus healed people on earth. He dined with sinners. He had compassion for the poor and the widow. Jesus' time on earth was not with important people. It wasn't to strategize how to overthrow the Roman Empire. But Jesus came as a humble servant, suffering Messiah, who came to die on the cross for us. Jesus did not come just as the king of the Jews, but he came as our king, the king of the world. His love and his grace extended to everyone, 
all of us here. Jesus died on the cross as a sacrificial lamb. Our punishment for sin is death. But Jesus took our punishment and paid for our sins on the cross. He died a shameful death. Only the worst criminals die on the cross. Jesus, he died on that cross. But the good news is that Jesus, the Messiah, rose from the dead. That's the good news. And I want to proclaim the good news to you. The good news is that Jesus has already won the battle. And the presence of the Holy Spirit is on you, is in this room. Jesus has already won depression. The good news is that Jesus has already won sickness. The good news is that Jesus has already won addiction. The good news is that Jesus has already won injustice. The good news is that Jesus has already won division. The good news is that Jesus has already won brokenness. The good news is that Jesus has already won death. The good news is that Jesus is the Messiah. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. He who has seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I am making everything everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Friends, God is inviting us to be part of this story. God's story did not end in Revelation, the book of the, the last book of the Bible. God's story is continuing in us, in you. God is asking you to be part of his story. Will you say yes? Will you say yes? Yes, I want to be part of God's continuing story. I want my life to be God's continuing story. Yes, Lord.
Yes, Lord. Going back to the passage of the blind men, when Jesus saw that blind man had partial vision, Jesus lays his hands on the blind man one more time. And then his eyes were open and his sight was fully restored and he saw everything clearly. I think it was at the Sea of Galilee after Jesus has resurrected from the dead that Peter was able to fully and clearly see who Jesus the Messiah really is. After Jesus' resurrection, Peter had gone back fishing. And people ask, how can you have witnessed the resurrection of Jesus and go back fishing? Daryl Johnson, a pastor and professor, explains, it's because Peter felt disqualified to be Jesus' disciple. He felt disqualified because you see, Peter had denied Jesus. Before Jesus died on the cross, Jesus was taken to the high priest. Peter followed and stood by a fire in the high priest's courtyard. And then people asked Peter if, you, if he was one of Jesus' disciples. But in three different incidents, Peter has said, I am not. I am not. I am not. But Jesus wasn't giving up on Peter. So Jesus, after he has resurrected, meets Peter in the Sea of Galilee by a charcoal fire. So here's Jesus and Peter. Between them was a charcoal fire. Because it was around the charcoal fire that Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus didn't want Peter stuck with the memory of denial around the charcoal fire. Jesus has set a charcoal fire so that he can give Peter a new memory. A new memory. It is at the charcoal fire. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me three times? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And three times, Peter answers, I love you. I love you. I love you. Peter now had clear sight to see who Jesus, the Messiah, came to be. Today, there are some of you that might feel that it is difficult to be part of God's story. You've been feeling distant from God. The past two years have been the most miserable two years. You have lost hope because of the evil that we hear and see in the news that is going around in this world. You are hurting from broken relationships. You might be suffering a heartache. Your family is hurting. 
your children are hurting. And you don't know if you can be part of God's story anymore. It's just so hard. Why is life so hard? So hard. But friends, the hope and the good news is that the Messiah came to save you. The Messiah came to save you. To save us. Jesus shows up in a place of our past and even where we're stuck right now to give us sight to see Jesus the Messiah even in the messiest part of our lives. And Jesus is inviting you to have a fresh encounter with him, to confess a new love for him. We don't need to be stuck in the past or even now in the present. Jesus is then, now, and forever. Jesus is then, now, and forever. And I want to invite you to move forward into the life that Jesus has for you. You are the part of the good news of Jesus the Messiah. You are part of the good news. Jesus is asking you, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, Lord. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And Jesus asks, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for inviting us to be part of your story. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. We thank you, God, for sending us your son, Jesus, into this world to save us from our sins. For Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. My friends, the good news is that Jesus rose again in three days. And Jesus sends us a friend, Holy Spirit, that lives in you. The presence of the Holy Spirit is with you here, but is also with you at home, is with you at school, and is is with you at work, is with you when you're taking care of little babies and children. 
the Spirit of God has never left you. The Spirit of God is upon you. Amen, Lord. We believe it. We believe that the Spirit of God lives in us. So no matter how hard life has been, even if we feel disqualified to be a follower of Jesus, you give us a new memory around the charcoal fire where you ask us, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And we proclaim, yes, Lord, we love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you with all of our hearts. We love you. So God, from this room and on, may we walk out of this room knowing how much you love us. And may we walk out of this room proclaiming our love to you. So we proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.